Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from an undisclosed location somewhere in the greater Boston area, welcome to Boston, the only New England podcast show that openly engages in wild on-air alcohol consumption, live music, special guest appearances, and with any luck, we may all learn something valuable about the thing we all love to engage in as often as possible. Oh, no, no, no. Not that, but drinking. Here to inform, to inspire, to imbibe are your guests, me, Mike Grady, and he's Sean Cochran, and here we go. <laughs> Mike Grady, the real Slim Shady, huh? How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How's it going? Sean Cochran, Good. the original you- awesome bass player. <laughs> We have to be careful with our pre-show because our pre-show starts our pre-sampling and we tend to get a little, which is, okay. I, I have pre-sampled a bit, but I'm, I'm doing okay. Thank you. No, Not- you, said, you look good. You, 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 you I mean, cause we, you and I still on video. We're still at distance. Oh yes. You know, you, at distance. You're in location a, I'm in location B studios. And, uh, a and B. That's right. Studios A and B. And uh, I think you called us guests on the intro, which I which I absolutely adore. Nothing wrong with that. Wait, did I? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and here are your guests. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. No, it's oh, good. It's know. good. It's good. I can't, I can't always do it correctly. <laughs> no, that's all right. It was perfect. So what's today? Today's May 21st. First, Thursday. Uh, this May is the Thursday. So we record on Thursday. Thursday evening. And, and at some point, we eventually get our uh, get the get the podcast out, blah, blah, blah. Maybe oh, it's a Friday. Yeah. Maybe it's a Saturday. Yeah. But, You're the big um, master. I just yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm working on it. I'm still I'm still you know we're all in COVID lockdown for the most part, but I am still working like crazy. If anything, I think business got crazier for me. It's really bizarre. Well, you're considered you know? essential, according to what I read, and we've gone from stay at home to safer at home, which causes. I was talking this evening to my very awesome girlfriend, and one of the things we noticed is that increased traffic on the road, increased mm-hmm. people in the area. And it's actually nice to see. I feel like the community is kind of coming back alive again. And even if it's only phase one, that's totally fine. By the time we have phase four, we're going to be ready to have a giant party. Party. All, all, yeah, patty. <laughs> and so anyway, it was just one of the things that we noticed. And I'm very glad that uh, Governor Baker decided to uh, you know, do this. I think he's making the right move as many states are around the country there are those few outliers but we won't talk about them this evening well the argument could be made both ways i oh, I, I feel agree. because I new hampshire is now new hampshire. as far as inner boston uh is concerned and some of the congestion i mean let's face it uh i was up in new hampshire yesterday and i drove by a restaurant and they had a tent they had all this stuff going on and there were people in line waiting to be seated at a social distance of course and they had masks and i thought it was i thought it was wonderful you know it's good to see that many of them to happen but um you know massachusetts uh if they opened people are going to go nuts and it would be difficult to keep them you know, even if you're wearing your your Charlie Baker burka, I mean, it's still going to be, you know, you're still going to end up really close to somebody, and people are going to take them off a couple of cocktails. Wait, is that funny? You're That's like that? the most hilarious thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Charlie Baker in a burka. <laughs> well, it's kind of well. We, we, you know, my favorite thing is. Wait, my favorite thing is you're going down the tunnel that leads from the um the the main parking area in Logan to your variety of terminals. Everything's hi, this is your governor Charlie Baker. Yeah. Welcome to Boston, Logan Airport. <laughs> and then you have this is the mayor of Boston, Marty Walsh. Welcome Marty to Walsh. Boston. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Boston. I Listen. freaking love that. <laughs> I'd like to hear the recording now. Don't do anything. Keep the window shut. Wrap yourself up in some gauze. There you go. Unbelievable. Hey, you know what? I'm no medical expert. (laughs) Well, neither am I. So, however, I did work seven years in the medical community. Yeah. What did you do? What was I was I was a laboratory technician. I worked at the VA for five years, and then in various private companies for an additional two to three years. Interesting. Okay. 
And it was so the the lab stuff was like legit, like lab, like lab coats, collecting samples, and then running the tests. Um, I primarily I primarily did microbiology work. I would draw blood, send it over to the blood lab. I'd get the microbiology samples, and then I go and I would um, run the tests and read them, and then enter it into the computer and take care of business. Huh. Wow. I didn't know you did that. That's actually that's pretty cool. Yeah, now I'm a music teacher. <laughs> so go figure. Teacher. And how was the um how was the music how was this the teaching aspect of things? I know you meant mentioned a little bit in the uh, in the pre-show, but right. So I think that when you have I know so I teach K through actually I teach pre-K through 8. Wow. And pre-K to about 4th grade, you can actually get them excited about anything. Because that's, you know, they're like these amazing sponges that absorb everything and they want to learn and they want to hear and they want to listen. And, and, mm -hmm. it, and it works to a certain extent. But once you get to five through eight, they are um, they go into what I call zombie mode or zoom mode, which is means they stare at the screen. When you ask them the question, nobody says anything. Oh. And one of the things I've learned right now, as far as and, and as far as all the teachers we've spoken, and yes, we had to lean on remote learning, which is fine for a couple months, but it is absolutely inefficient when it comes to teaching children K through eight. Mildly inefficient when it comes to high school. A lot of college kids are fine with it because we are, you know, we understand how it works, and I've done a lot of online learning as well, but. I'll tell you something, you have got to be on the front lines face-to-face -face with the kids, whether you're teaching mathematics or you're teaching music. You need to be in front of them. So the theory about one day, all of us will be learning from our homes online is a crock because it completely removes the personal level and the association you have with the kids. I would say that most of them thrive when you're in front of them. But when you're in a digital setting on a Zoom meeting, which I mean, God bless Zoom company that came up with it, you know, the, all the stuff that goes on. But I will tell you that is inefficient teaching the kids properly. They need to have their teachers in front of them. They need to be in that classroom, that environment. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on so long. I'm a little passionate. No, sorry. Right. I mean, do you think it's do you think that that it's, you know, a little person that age associates uh, the um the computer or the or the iPad, whatever they're using, as like they can't believe they're interacting with their teacher or something. It just it's more of a zombie, you know, uh, platform as opposed to something you're supposed to speak to and react with. You make a really good point. And when it first happens, that's exactly how they feel. They're like completely blown away. They're like, oh, my God, all my friends and we all talk. But then they realize, wait a minute, when I'm at school, we do the same thing, except my friends right next to me and my mm -hmm. teachers right in front of me. So over the course of time, you know, I noticed that a trickle down eighth graders got very um, cynical about it from the get go. Then you get in the seventh and sixth, and we have amazing students at my school. They incredible, but they're sitting at home. They're they shouldn't be around their parents all day. They mm -hmm. should be at school. They should right. be interacting with their friends. There is a social aspect that is unbelievable that is missing that they so desperately need. Even at fourteen, fifteen through high school, they need that in order to survive in the big world. I don't sure. want to say real world. I want to say big world because there's a lot. It's it's really important for them to do that. So when it comes down to it, it <clears throat> this is I kind of look at this as a band aid. It, it it's fine for now. We'll get through the end of the year, but come September, we either are in school full time or I've heard discussions of a hybrid, which is simply one week we have half the students there at the school, and then the following week we have an, the following we have the other half. And then, then back and forth, we do the teaching at home to the ones that are not there. And, and it's, you know, there's all bets are off, all bets are on. It depends on who you, who you speak to. It depends on what news outlet and what propaganda they're kind of pushing. Sure. Uh, and I know that some people will roll their eyes when they hear that, but please don't be foolish. There is a, there is a level of control that many of the local governments are enjoying right now. That's just yeah, my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's very easy to have the crutch of, uh, you know, safety and then yet kind of, oh you know, I'm going to keep everybody safe so nobody can work. And I'm like, eh, you know, we can do this much 
we can be much smarter about this. We don't have to shut the planet, you know, it, everything down. I, but there are some really stupid people out there. Let's face it. You well, know, there was interesting. My um, Sally and I were driving tonight, and we saw a group of like eight or nine people all standing in a circle, really close together. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and she's like, well, "I hope they're all related, and I hope they all live in the same house." It was the first thing. But then when I when we sit down and we watch, you know some type of you know we're binge watching something i see all these people in the giant crowd tonight i thought about one of the things that rap artists thrive on in their videos is giant groups of people grooving on what they're doing sure and i'm thinking how in the world do they do that now because that's something that's really appealing and, and appealing in any aspect whether it's rock whether it's rap it doesn't matter we thrive on our audience we thrive on the connection we have with them live and sure. it's not something that we can do. And I appreciate all of the music artists out there that do whatever they're doing, but don't fool. They're not fooling themselves and knowing that they have the same connection. I was thinking today, American idol and the voice, how unbelievably difficult it must be for these people to go in and sing to nothing. Well, so you're saying they're still filming. I, I haven't. Oh yeah. Them. They in fact named their winners. American Idol and The Voice, I think, just this week named their winners, and all of them sang from isolation and quarantine. Oh, I, I that's not dawn on me that they had to do. Where the heck's my head? Because that's a current, that is a current, um, you know, program. So you, they have to carry on. So they they were singing in isolation. I, in quarantine, yeah, there were no audience. I mean, and think about it. Think it, you know. And I know when we mm-hmm. perform in front of people and the audience is into us, it knocks you up so much. It gets you right. crazy. And sure. the adrenaline and the energy between you and the audience is you can't match that. Right? True. No, you, you know, you I can sit in the studio all I want and crank away at all the parts I want to do, but nothing matches when I'm out playing in the horn section live and the audience is totally grooving on what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, and you can hear you can hear, especially as a as a horn player. I mean, to, to, to hear the guys immediately around you, you know, live. Is, you know, I don't know if you're using monitors or not, but you don't need. You guys don't need monitors. Heck, you guys don't even need a PA system. Strangely, I mean, <laughs> wait, what do you think we play loud? Yes, yeah. we do. Um, and you're right, we don't need monitors. It's, I mean, and the thing is, is that we've been playing together for so long. It's we're connected, but part of that connection is standing close to each other yes, exactly. and playing as one unit. And I think of, um, you know, the BSO, uh, the Boston Symphony Orchestra has mm-hmm. um, 100 to 150 musicians, depending. And there's a reason why we all sit close to each other. There's a definitive reason why it's sure. that connection we have that puts us in a place that no other that no other experience does and it's so now we are hitting and i you know what i'm hoping i'm hoping that we've had points in history where a pandemic is come come along and it just dies and i'm really hoping that covid just suddenly stops and there stops. is a pop that could happen it or, may not or, but, or there's a fix a fix let's say and, and let's clean, i'm all for it whatever if there's doing. a fix it's going to die anyways because it just won't have anything to carry on with but right uh, but um yeah dude it's it's uh you know and, and there are guys i mean it was uh dropkick murphy's did the did saint patrick's day to an empty, they just had a live stave and they broadcast on the uh, interwebs. Did they play? In, did they play at Fenway to no one? No, they, that's coming up. Oh, oh, that's right. Hey, oh, you want to know? What, you, do you know what's coming up on September nineteenth? What's that? So you know, I have been seeing this girl, and she hit me up with, you know, I, she's really a big fan of New Kids on the Block. New kids, or nice. you know, new kids, which is like old men on the block now. So she, uh, she's like, well, I got, you know, we're getting tickets. Do you want to come along? And of course, you know, I want to impress her. I'm like, yeah, sure. It's September nineteenth. So it what are you ha- saying? You're not a fan of the new kids? Is that what? You it's mean? not that I'm not a fan. It was beyond my generation. I'm a little bit older than her, so the um, I appreciate <laughs> what they have to give to the community i guess uh, you know okay fine i'm not a big fan but it doesn't matter she is so i will go with her it's september 19th they're supposed to play at fenway park it hasn't been called yeah. off yet um or has it i don't know i i heard that it hasn't oh well they may come up with a different version i hope so 
everything is being reinvented at this point. So they they may have a um, pay. Well, let's see. What could they do? They could, the day of the show, say, enter your ticket number, let's say, and then you become, then you're able to, I don't know. I mean, every ticket is a barcode. Why couldn't you scan your way in? To so then get, go to the designated safe. Yeah, get it, get it. Or, or just on your TV or your computer or something like that. You know, or because, maybe you just get your sorry ass out into the public, wear your mask, and do what you need to do. I, I'm sometimes I'm frustrated because <clears throat> the media has absolutely scared America into their homes. Yeah, yes. and I I don't want anyone to die from this. I want not. to take the right precautions, but for the love of God, we need mm -hmm. to get back out there. Sure, um, but you know what? We've done some really awesome talking, but what are we going to talk about tonight, Mr. Cochran? <laughs> you might be a little bit expert, but... Hey, you know what's uh, funny? My, funny? My email just popped up on my computer as I'm, as I'm watching your image on the computer here. Oh, I'm so and sorry. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a Keith Lockhart video, uh, email that just came in about the, uh, the Boston Symphony. You know what his nickname is? What is it? Skippy. Skippy? And I don't know why. Huh. Okay. I should look into that, but it did. Oh, but anyway, I mad respect for Keith Lockhart and, and oh, he he's, Boston he's Pops. He, he yeah. directs the Boston Pops. I do not. So, hey, trivia time. Who, as a major composer, was the director of the Boston Pops for many years? As a director? As a director, as the conductor of the orchestra. Not the Boston years? Symphony Orchestra. I'm not quite sure how many years, but who major major composer? Oh well, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to was it Arthur Fiedler? Arthur Fiedler was one, but this was after him. Oh, the, I mean, the, are you talking about you know the guy that wrote the the, the best music for the, the best movies? Dun dun digga dun digga digga dun 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 digga dun digga digga dun that one, yeah, that guy. That guy, not the guy, that guy, but the guy, <laughs> Mr. John Williams. <laughs> and that's, that's Tool the of Darth, Darth Maul. Remember the Darth Maul? Uh, he, he wrote that, right? Tool of the Fates, yep. Tool of the Fates, yeah. So good. So good. And Jaws? Come on. And E.T.? And all of the Indiana Jones and, all, and stuff for Harry Potter? Oh, he did Harry Potter too. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, nineteen forty-one. Oh shit, I didn't know that. Shall I go on? He is a genius. In case anybody out there, by the way, here's the music teacher coming out of me. Okay. If you don't know who John Williams is, you need to go look him up and you need to listen to his music. It will blow you mm -hmm. away. In fact, Mr. John Williams was responsible for the theme song. Excuse me, the second theme song to the original Lost in Space from the 1960s. However, he was listed as Johnny Williams. Really? And by the way, great theme. Great theme. I mean, Freaky so signature. So the countdown signature. alone when they like they're in trouble. They they have the opening scene and they're like and it goes right into the main theme. And I'm like, I played that from I played that for my students, and they're like, Hey, Mr. Um, Mr. Grady, play that again. And I'm like, and they're like, wait, that sounds like Star Wars. I'm like, well, man, well. I tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, he was he. John Williams is great, and he just did a he just did some sort of COVID uh, piano thing. I thought I saw he he was doing something. Well, that doesn't surprise me. He's still he's in his eighties, and he's still rocking it. Can you imagine the music that rolls through his brain? Like he's just like opening his eyes, and he's thinking, <laughs> he's going, yeah, the French horns over here, and we're gonna you know. <laughs> through the asteroid field are um <laughs> so many so you know the funny thing is is that the, the the one thing about that they do with that is that he comes up with all the little signature themes and he hands them over to an orchestrator and then the guy orchestrates it 
and decide, you know, puts it here and there. And then he goes, okay, I'm going to do this and do that. And so he oversees the entire thing, but he comes up with all of these unbelievable. It, it's actually, it's like ear candy or earworms. I can place, I can play star Wars inspired music and all the kids know it has that distinctive sound just like Beethoven, just like Brahms, just like Bach, just like Tchaikovsky, just like, um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, he was, he did the, the surprise symphony. Oh, for the love of God, I can't even remember his name right now. Haydn, Joseph Haydn. Um, it is, is signature as what they wrote. He writes the exact same thing. In fact, his stuff so unbelievably copies Tchaikovsky. One of the quotes from someone is good composers borrow, great composers steal. Oh, God. <laughs> I've worked I've worked with people like that. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> well, it's great. I love it. Oh, it is. So yeah. we, we probably are gonna have to um possibly edit this so we need to get to our main point this evening oh, nobody knows what we're going to talk about tonight let's get a roll okay so um mr mike grady what yes sir do we have this evening what's on deck this evening is on deck a alcohol a beverage that has enjoyed a an unbelievable run over the past 20 to 30 years, but has been around since 1000 BC. That's funny. I never knew that. I never knew it was that old. Well, that's when it actually started. It may not be necessarily recognizable at that point, but this is called the thing that we love the most. I know I do, and I know you do. It's called mm -hmm. tequila, also known as tequila. But no, it's actually tequila. All right, so we're going to what I want to do with tequila is I want to run over a really quick history of it and it's it, it's it's really really interesting. And then after we're done, I want I would like to relay a story of my um my experience with tequila, what it was, what it became, mainly because of you. Okay. I'll talk about that in a moment. So let's talk about the history of tequila. It's a North American favorite. Tequila continues to increase in popularity. Why don't we take a look at its history? A thousand BC, and that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Until about 200 AD, years of inspiration began in the Aztec hands. So the growth of tequila, the foundation for tequila, began with the Aztecs. The Aztecs called their fermented drink pulque. P-U-L-Q-U-E. Mm. Now, I'm probably absolutely butchering the pronunciation, but let's just take it from there. So the Aztecs were the founders, if per se. Then we're going to all go, all go all the way up to the 1400s, the 1500s, and that is A.D. And the Spanish began to distill mud and agave known as mezcal. Excuse I me. I, I can't get over the mud pot, but okay. Uh, whatever works. And in the mid-1500s, the Spanish government started the first Mezcal trade route. So it became so popular that they actually could sell it outside of Spain, which is pretty awesome. Now we go to the 1600s. The Marquis of Altamira built the first large-scale distillery in what is now known as Tequila Jalisco, Mexico. So we're talking the 17th century they built a distillery in Mexico because tequila was really becoming popular. So 17 and 1800s, modern tequila is born. The stuff we drink now, the Cuervo, Jose Cuervo family, and the Salsa family both started producing tequila, and the world fell in love with this delightful drink. Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, love. Like big old heart. Big Absolutely. old hat. <laughs> the hat. <laughs> 1936, the margarita is invented. Thank you. Well, that is a collective thank you from the female persuasion. I know most guys like to shoot tequila down. I don't want to get in the uh, division of the sexes here, but that's just how it is. Margaritas are awesome, but shooting them down? Well, we're going to get into that a little bit in just a moment, because that may not be the best way to enjoy tequila. Oh, 1974! Tequila becomes the intellectual property of Mexico. Mexico was smart enough to go, hey, tequila, 
That's our drink. And they ended up making it the intellectual property of a country. Which is genius. 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 Well, that's like like, uh, um, Prosecco in Champagne. And you can essentially get the same product, you know, very sim- very similar, but you can't call it champagne if you're making it in your in the backyard over in, in Southie. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's it's not champagne. Really, really. Does this have anything to do with our previous conversation about Prosecco <laughs> and combining tequila? It and you be. out there know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> and we come, we flash forward to today. Today, importers around the world continue to source tequila from Mexico. So beer and whiskey and other things that we imbibe in are produced all over the all over the world, but tequila. Mm-hmm. Oh my word! Only from Mexico. Only from Mexico. So one of the things I I want to kind of do here is I want to talk a little bit about. Wait, there are an incredible amount of tequila. Oh gosh, I just lost. Uh, it. So, so Mike, whatever you have for Listia for for tequila brands, yes, it's incomplete. I don't care if you if you Wikipedia Googled and there's so much tequila out there. It's unbelievable. That's true. But go ahead. I, would you like me to go through some of them, uh, or I would? Are you, can you wrap them? To, can you wrap them? Or? I don't know if I can wrap them, but I can give I can give a pretty fine rhythm. <laughs> So check it out. Here we go. All right. Don Julio. Tequila. It's terrible. Patron. Heradora. Espalone. Oh, this is really bad. Okay, so check it out. All right, Major I'm going to stop. That's a- <laughs> I know, really. My tempo, there was Too many none. syllables in most of those. I, I get it. It throws you off. All right, so check it out. Don Julio. Patron, Herodora, Espalon, Cozo, Jose Cuervo, Tres Agaves, Casamigos, Delon, Casa Azul, El Jimador, Casa Noble, Milagro, El Tesoro, Coraleo, Luna Azul, Areta, Salsa, Casa Noble, I already said that. Uh, Patr- I already said that. Grand Patron, Grand Santana Rio. Cabo Wabo. Hmm. Hi, Sammy Hagar. Um, Casamigos. Olmeca Altos. Chinaco. Tapatio. Ka. Camarena. Casadores. Juanitos. Avión. Tres generaciones. So this white guy's done doing that, but that's just a mere smattering of what we have. Mr. Corcoran. Here we go. So here's the story about my tequila experience. Yes. So yes. for most of my life, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna get another ice cube up. I need to make another. I need to check my ice cubes out. Hold on. I'm put it in the glass. I mean, I love your stories, but I need to have a cocktail. Or, or I'm talking way too much tonight. <laughs> no, I love it. Listen, don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> Dude. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? Hold on, we got to do the old. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, listen, dude. Wait, 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 wait. I hear your and I match it. <laughs> do it again. Do it again. Do it again. All right, hold on, hold on. I just poured more out, so I'm gonna have a deeper tone. <laughs> Definitely gonna spill it. All right, we'll sample that. We'll sample that. Okay. We're gonna roll that into a song. And as a Boston guy, you have to be careful how you say "pull the cock out." But that's another discussion. I didn't say that, did I? No, I'm just saying if you get if when you when you make that sound, that's the sound of what happens when you pull the cock out. <laughs> you know, you gotta put the cock in the bottle. <laughs> God, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you a sampler, and we're going to make a record with all the all the uh, the beats that you got you pull out there. It's all impressive. right. So here's a quick story. I promise it won't be too long. So um, I was I lived in California or the People's Republic of California from 2006 until 2015, 
In 2015, my ex, giant ex, wife got relocated back to Massachusetts. So we were living in Lexington in a, in a um, temporary home. And one of the things I did was I gave a heads up to Mr. Cochran. I was coming back to Massachusetts. And he said, hey, gee, let's meet at On the Border and we'll have some food. I said, why? That sounds like a great idea. So we went there and we met. And the first thing you did is you're like, hey, I'm kind of into tequila. I want to order for you. And I'm like thinking, shot, salt, lemon, lime, depending on what you prefer. Right. And instead, he ordered two glasses, two fingers worth of tequila, and one ice cube in each glass. Mm. I said, what is this? What is this strange thing you do? Well, that absolutely opened the world of tequila to me. Mm. He showed me how to drink it, how to understand it, how to taste it. And since then, I have been enjoying a variety of tequilas as a beverage, not as a constant shot to get myself completely schnockered. Well, yeah, I mean, you could you could still get banged up if you shoot the oh, stuff, I, but it, but it's such a waste because there's so, so much flavor behind um, tequila in, in in general. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say so even some of the cheaper lower shelf stuff. Yes. Um, it's, it's still okay. I mean, if it's tequila and it's made in, and is it Halasco or Jalasco? We don't pronounce the J, right? Halasco? Halasco. Oh, sorry if I said Jalasco. Halasco, Mexico. Um, or Mexico in general. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's tequila. So, yes. as we were coming up of our ages of uh, drinkers and whatnot, we would shoot it. We would shoot tequila. I mean, that, that's what I did. You'd use the salt, use the lime. It's just Sweet. not. Um, it's not it's how it should be done. Or maybe it's just old because I'm older. I don't know. But it's way better to take your older. time, like a nice scotch or whiskey, um, and you just you know you smell it. But you know, I when I take a take a drink, I usually like to pour a little bit of it into a glass. Yep. Smell it without the water and have a little sip without the water, meaning the water, meaning the ice, of course. And it's usually room temperature because you, you don't put it in the freezer. And a lot of people put it in the freezer because it doesn't hurt as bad when you shoot it, but you shouldn't be shooting it anyways. It's like putting your bullets in the freezer before you shoot. You know, I mean, come on, it's crazy. Totally so crazy. Yeah, you don't do that. So, um, so you want to smell it. I mean, they put so much effort into it, there's so much flavor. You know how much flavor there actually is, Mike? Would you like to hear some? some oh, is stats? that F L A V A? Flavor, flavor. Yeah, I don't know how much flavor. Okay, so um, so a tequila that is one hundred percent agave. Okay, it's one of the most sophisticated spirits. Period. Okay, so tequila has more than twice the identifiable flavor profiles of a really sophisticated big red wine. And no a lot way. of people don't understand. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you a lot of people don't know that they don't understand it. Um, so let's, let's, let's picture this. So a wine, a nice wine or any wine in general, for the most part has uh, approximately um, 300 flavor profiles. Okay. Whatever they may be, I'm no expert. What is the flavor profile? I'm, oh my I'm, god, I don't you had to ask. I said, don't Sorry. ask, but no, that's okay. <laughs> is it like earthy bouquet? So there's smoky, different things. Yes, flowery. exactly. Yeah, the okay, different. Okay, you know, I, just I understand the, the, the flavor profiles. You know, the smoke. Um, you know, things you can get into the age of the grape. Blah blah blah. This and that and every other thing. But basically, tequila, from what I'm reading here. Has six hundred and thirty proof. It's more than double. It's crazy. It's crazy. So wow. And so they say that red wine has a um, medicinal qualities. Blah blah blah. It can help your health. That's fine. Well, it does. Well, it does. And I'm not going to disagree with that. But they say that tequila has medicinal qualities as well, and it has been proven. Well, I can't say proven because that would—that's a big leap. I mean, we'd be maybe we're COVID repellent. That's what I'm saying. We'll just drink. it's COVID repellent. We could go with that. But COVID it has repellent. <laughs> but it has uh, um, 
it it can keep back. Um, it helps with diabetes and IBS and a few other ones too. So, I mean, that's what I've heard. You know that's what? what I've heard. The irritable bowel syndrome gets so many of us. So I think the IBS is awesome, dude. If it if it works, so think about it. I and mean, you, you drink tequila to be healthy. Do you, are you Ooh, gonna go with that? I like can we, that. Can, I mean, it's like going to the Let's gym. Let's go with that. It's like going to the gym. So, anyways, we're drinking Don. <laughs> so we're drinking Don Julio right now. Yeah. Mike has the Reposado, and I have the Anejo. Um, Don Julio, a, a, a great tequila. One of my, one of my favorite, absolute favorite tequilas is, is the uh, nineteen forty two Anejo, which is the tall, uh, skinny, you know, pyramid style. Um, bottle of tequila and uh, I've never had that. It's really good. Oh, it's not cheap, but it's good. It's so good. And that was one of the first ones that I had uh, in mass quantities. Mass quantities. And I was, it wasn't just in Massachusetts. It might have been Rhode Island. So when I mass qualities, it's not quite mass. But um, it was good. It's great. And it was one of the first experiences that I had that I did not, and I say did not have any sort of um, hangover the next day. And Mike, I think that since we've had the introduction for you, yes, with it, um, have you experienced the same thing? Or I have. Okay, I have found that I enjoy tequila more like a beverage. I've I have introduced another person to that as well and they had no idea that it tasted so good so good and enjoyed just sipping it as opposed to shooting it down because that's sure. all they knew it is. yeah and 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 that's that's the big misconception that's the worst part of it so you say to and i'll and i'll have this conversation with people and i'll say well you know somebody'll say hey how about, how about some nice scotch eh, whatever i mean scott it's great another one of my favorite genres of the uh of the booze uh, but tequila, um, if you drink it properly, it's not gonna it's not gonna bang you up the next day. Uh, of course, always have to hydrate. You know that's always a plus, anyways, with any any sort of anything. But um, just so good, it just tastes so good. It was funny because the first time when you told me, I thought you were a little Drunk. bit no, because we hadn't gotten there yet. Um, but when I first when I first took a sip of it, it was the first time that I actually tasted the full body taste of the tequila mm. and how it didn't make me gag. It didn't make me choke. I didn't need to shoot it down and chase it with a bunch of things. And I found it as enjoyable as sipping a glass of wine. Sure. Yeah. And I kind of looked at you and went, well, this is freaking weird and I, it was just like it was something that i really liked and since then i have slowly got into it more um i'm probably not as much an aficionado as you are um but i do enjoy i do find that i like the aneo i like the effect it has on people well the aneo of course is aged in uh different barrels and um it gives it definitely a darker. Boy, I had a bunch of information here on it. What the heck I did with it? More descriptive. I got an awesome book, Mike. It's um, a book. I just got to read it. What is it's, this book you speak of? I'm I don't gonna know. Show, I'm going to show you in the image here. It's probably backwards. I'm like, it's called that? the Tequila Dictionary. Oh my gosh. It is. It's amazing. So I got about three pages in, and um, I had to put it down. <laughs> but it's got a lot of information to it. I like that. Yeah. But the fact that I did about three pages in, I had to put it down, or it has a lot of information. <laughs> no, it's good. There's a, a ton of information. So, God, I sound so, like Trump. <laughs> but speaking in small sentences and small words. And a ton of information. I, I got I, information. I will tell you right now. It is the best. The best. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. He kills me. Oh, I have no I have no problem with him. He is the everyman president. Right. Well. 
So, Mike Grady, here we are. Enjoying tequila. Yeah. I mean, dude, seriously. Honestly, I think we could probably dig deeper. What do you think we dig deeper on tequila for next week? Oh, for tequila? Um, well, there's there's a lot of different things happening. Like you had mentioned the Casamigos. Um, that is uh, probably still one of my my number one or my number two go-to for tequila. Really? Uh, What's yeah. your number one? What's your number one? <laughs> I, I, I go back and forth. So, so Miss Erin likes the Casanoble. I and do like All right. All right. Casanoble, and that's still one of my absolute favorites. But the Casamigos Anejo is absolutely delicious. But um, the Reposado, I think, has a stronger, more pleasant flavor. I don't know. The Reposado has its, um, it, it's not as smoky, it's not as dark. But uh, I don't know. Mike, what are, you, what are you tapping away on over there? I'm just taking care of some of the stuff you're saying. I'm writing some oh. stuff. Oh, okay. okay. I'm just curious. Because <laughs> I can see you. Wait till we add the video part of this uh, this podcast. Oh, yeah, the video part. I'm not going to mess around. I will be totally focused. No, I don't mind the messing around. I'm just, I'm just, you know, just I'm curious. It's more more likely what it is, you know. So I, I can't tell you. Um, right. All right. So this evening we've given a very high level overview the history of tequila, mm. but not necessarily we about the ingredients. But you have spoken about personal experience, which I think is really important. We have, I have found that it is the go-to cocktail for me more often than not. Um, pretty much as much as wine, more than whiskey or, or vodka mm -hmm. or gin, any of that. Sure. I find it the most enjoyable. So if this, if there's different things that we have missed, which I'm sure there's a lot because um, I was just thinking, you know, as you're starting to close things out. You could you guys can email us through um, bamboozle.boston. There's a there's a link there. Um, you know the the social uh, medias, different ways to contact us. You know what, Mike? I would love to open up a uh, phone call uh, thing. You know for for the for the podcast here. Like if we could schedule a phone call and and bring in and I, mean, I guess it would be kind of a guest. But you know it'd be incredible. What's that? Is that we could run, we could actually run the East Coast and West Coast version of the podcast. So we run the podcast at nine, but then we run it at 12 midnight. And that would mean it was only nine o'clock in California because I can guarantee you there's a lot of people out there would totally love that. It, you know, this is one of the things I'm thinking about. I, the reason I had that inspiration is because 30 Rock runs when it was on the air, they ran an East Coast and a West Coast live version of the show. And it was great. In live fact, version. live version. Okay. So they, and it was entirely different and kind of exactly the same. So it's one of those things we could consider. So 30 Rock was a live, live recorded show? Only, only on that one. They did it twice in the entire oh. seven seasons. I got to watch more TV, I guess. I, I, I just, don't pay attention, but oh, that it went off the air in 2014. But it is, you know, it, it that kind of reminds me of what about, we could feasibly try to pull off a live podcast. It would, I think, that would be something different. We could, couldn't really call it a podcast. Oh, maybe you could. You could just label it as that. Well, we would, we would record it and then play it later. Maybe, maybe if um, Facebook Live. That would be a shit show. We could, okay. we could do that. And then the <laughs> that would be a shit show. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough enough to keep the, uh, to keep these two separate audio files together, but uh, no, we, I think we could do that. Well, Dave Stenya, the genius guitar player that we spoke was our last week's guest who had last week's guest. And we got blasted with him per usual. You know, that's what happens when we do the Jameson with, with uh, the old bandmates, but ninety uh, minutes. <laughs> it, was, it was it was ninety minutes. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> he he has uh, created a method to do exactly that. It's like a Zoom meeting, 
on Facebook Live, and that's how he runs his uh, his show with the uh, Yacht, Yacht Club Rejects, which is pretty amazing. It really is that's amazing. A great right name, now. by the way. Yeah, Club Rejects. Right? It reminds me of um, You're uh, out of Caddy, here. Caddyshack. <laughs> Seriously, it is. And it's like, like Caddyshack. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ted Burns, which is his name on uh, uh, Crap on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, the guy with the white hair, the judge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's just that that right there. I like that. Yeah, yacht club rejects. Yacht club rejects. Yeah, good guys, good guys. So right. we, should, we should probably wrap this up, sir. Yeah, let's, let's wrap it up, G. And um, so we're gonna leave it open ended for next week. We should. I think we should make a surprise. Ooh. What do you think about a beer? Should we do a beer next week? Interestingly enough, I was thinking about beer today and how mm. many. As I was rattling off. In in very bad rhythmic form, the variety of <laughs> tequila. Um, I was, that was no, good. I wasn't that bad. I Go was ahead. thinking about I was thinking about um, beers today as I was driving, and I thought, damn, you want to talk about one alcoholic beverage throughout the world? There's yeah. so many produced in within country and then is imported. So it, there's so much just in the United States. Let alone when we get to Europe to Brazil, to Australia, all of that. There's so many different kinds. We could do a solid six weeks on beers alone. Six weeks? Six years? Six. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, we, were, we were kicking back this tequila. It would take six years to talk so about do, it. So what do you think? Do you want to do a... Um, do you want to do like a lo local... I, I think we should just go local and get like a nice local beer maybe. Do you want to do something well known or something not well known? Uh, well, define well we, known. Well, Sam Adams, that's well known. Sam Adams. You know what's funny about Sam Adams is two things. I don't like Sam Adams. That's the first funny thing. And secondly, um, they just released a brick house or brick something or other something that they only serve at Fenway. Boom! 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 Boom, 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 boom. Sorry, you said brick house. <laughs> brick house. Uh, we changed that to shit house, by the way. She's a <laughs> shit house. All right, go that on. Was, that was some Millie Vanilli shit right there. I mean, that beat. <laughs> I'm so in love, girl. <laughs> All right, the latency is not going to work. We cannot collaborate like this. Not going to happen. Anyways, um, all right, we'll figure this out. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this evening, this afternoon, or whatever it is. You're on the job. You're on your paper route. You're working out. Working out's a good thing. Actually, we should probably consider that. Man, I am just a disaster. But anyways, if you're working out and you're flipping through and you're thinking about your next cocktail, then you're probably going to listen to this podcast, and uh, it'll, we can help you decide. So make this part of your routine. I'm trying to sell it, Mike. Come on. I can't even get past paper route right now. <laughs> I had a paper route forever. Like in, the, in, the, in, the, in the day and age of digital, you go, if you have a paper route, and I'm like, one guy's out there like, I still got a paper route. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't even think of that. That's right, because people use the internet. That's <laughs> The interwebs. The interwebs. <laughs> My God, I'm so old school. So if you still have a paper route that's 1997, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it was it was 1997. <laughs> I so wait, so wait, hold on. So wait, yes. real quick story, and I'm, I swear it'll end. Back in 2002, mm -hmm. I was um, in. I'll say in, I was working a rather low-paying job during the day, so I had to supplement. So I supplemented by delivering newspapers. Okay. The problem is I delivered them seven days a week. Sure. And what happened on Friday nights and Saturday nights, I would gig with the band and I'd have to go in, sort all the papers and deliver them and make sure they were to everybody by 5 a.m. Dude, I did the same thing. Did you really? Yes. So Friday night, I would gig on Friday night. And now correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming you're saying you do the gig and then you go right from the gig to the paper pickup place and then well, especially the for Sunday morning paper. Oh my of god, course. yes. You had to get there at one AM. Two AM. Sure. 
and I would bring roadies, and <laughs> because we'd be drinking at the gig, so we'd load out. Uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd bring yeah, right. So I'd bring beers, and uh, and of course it was this is a Friday night gig into Saturday morning, uh, and nobody's gonna pull you over because. You'd hide the beer under the, under the, the papers that you're folding and you're distributing. Well, and I would double size at that point. Oh, and so the night that we would have to deliver, so Saturday night, Sunday morning, I had a, I had, <laughs> I had Geo Metro. There would be so many papers that it would lower, and if I oh. went over bumps, sparks would fly <laughs> out the back of the Geo Metro <laughs> because there were so many papers, and it'd be like. Go, you know, back then it would, we didn't have we didn't have the fancy navigation we have now, right? And so it would be like, go left, turn right, three houses down, delivered to one twenty three Newberry Street. Oh, and that was a, wanted, that uh, was an audio thing you listened to, like no, it would be printed out, and then you'd be like, oh. and then have the instructions. They wanted delivered on their porch, plus they would like some orange juice and eggs over easy delivered. So you'd be like, oh. fuck. What am I gonna do? And you know, you deliver the paper, and if you didn't put it in the right spot, oh, the next it. time you came by, you'd be like, "So, one twenty-three Ferndale was very displeased with your delivery." And you're like, "I'm being paid seven dollars an hour. I don't care." Right, right. <laughs> right. And I've hit thirteen potholes in the last ten minutes. And who's gonna pay for these shocks? Right. And my Geo Metro is like a lowrider. <laughs> and that the Geo Metros they had. Three cylinder Suzuki engines, I believe. Three cylinder Suzuki. What do you got? Kawasaki syndrome? What's going on? Suzuki. I have, I have, um, Reposito syndrome. So yeah, it was, it was horrible. Reposito, Mike. Reposito. Sorry, this is my tequila mouth. Reposito. Listen, I get it. I get it. I got tequila mouth. Back to the uh, the closing of the show here. So thanks for listening and let us fall apart in front of you. Right in front of you. Right in front of you, sort of, kind of. Um, so we'll figure out what we're going to do next week. And we are going to cash out this evening. Uh, good luck with your COVIDs and the anti-COVIDs. And, and listen, tequila is the anti-COVID medicine. Do not listen to this person. He is not a medical expert. But if you drink a lot of tequila, you'll be happier. <laughs> is that right? Yes, it is. This okay. is Mike Grady. <laughs> I was going to introduce you, but uh, you asked me a question. Mike Grady, how are you this evening? Are we ready to get the heck out of here? I'm, I'm doing well, and I'm out of here. So have a wonderful night, folks. We'll see you next week. Yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah. Where's the button? How the hell do you shut this thing out? Oh, there it is. All right. <laughs>